You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, it's Thursday. It's creative quarantine. Well, this show was actually recorded on Thursday, but this is still. Creative Quarantine. I'm your host, Angelique Rocher, and today we're talking to journalist, culture journalist um, for the Washington Post. He writes on comics and culture, uh, David Benacourt. Really excited for this conversation. It was crazy nerdy. I will give you a heads up that we did have a lot of technical difficulties just because of internet and homeschooling and bandwidth, And but I, I will say it was a lot of fun just to talk about his work, what he's doing right now, how he's adjusting to writing and journalism, but also kind of the insights of what does it look like moving forward for movies, for comic books, for TV shows, production, and independent creators right now as production has basically come to a halt and folks are thinking about what are the ways that we safely move forward in creating content. So enjoy this conversation and yeah, no, that's it go enjoy it it'll be great hello and welcome to creative quarantine i am your host angelique rocher see my name it's right it's right there at the bottom of the box uh i am here uh with you know one of my favorite journalists but also uh a true true fanboy like literally his twitter says dc fanboy uh david what is up man how are you how are you i'm doing i'm i'm doing as well as one can do in these times uh, so for folks who who are probably familiar with your work and don't know that they're familiar with your work, um, can you tell folks kind of what uh, you do for a living and, you know, you know, how you, why you do what you do for a living? Because I feel like journalists have to be passionate about a thing to write about the thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, my name is David Bencourt. I am the comic book reporter at the Washington Post. Uh, where I've been for almost 13 years, and I've been the full-time comic book culture reporter for almost the last five years. Um, my beat consists of, I guess a lot of people call it geek culture. Um, obviously, I have comic book in the name of the beat. Uh, comics influence so many things now and so many different mediums, and that's really how I was convinced the post uh, at the time, Kevin Merida, who is now the head of ESPN's The Undefeated, uh, back when he was here at the Post, he and I would have many meetings uh, where I'd say, hey, you know, I think there's something here. I, there, you know, comic book culture is growing and it's spreading into a lot of different mediums. And it's a language that I speak and I'd, I'd love to report on it full time. Uh, at the time we had, we had here at the Post for 10 years called Comic Riffs. That definitely helped because there was a landing spot for what I was trying to do. 
Um, but more so what the beat has become more than ever is inspired uh, by comics. I love to write about the actual books when I can. Uh, most recently I wrote about Brian Michael Bendis and Superman dropping the secret identity to far sector, black female Green Lantern, Joe Mullen. Uh, more times than not lately, my reporting kind of takes me to the adaptations of everything. Uh, that's the movies, that's streaming, that's television. And uh, right now, the thing keeping me most busy is Star Wars because the Clone Wars is wrapping up. So it's a beat that kind of entails everything. You know, I, I'm an entertainment reporter, but I'm in a very specific geeky corner. Well, I think it's so funny because both of us kind of reside in this very sweet spot of geeky culture, reporting, journalism, commentary, but it's not commentary because it, it, it really is reflective of what our culture consumes. And it has gone from, oh man, comic books, that's for nerds, to man, did you see Harley Quinn on DC Universe last night? Yo, Sanaa Lathan's Catwoman. Like that, like that. Con like that conversation has really expanded out now when you have the Chris Evanses, the Rosario Dawson's, the Sanaa Lathan's who are now superheroes and supervillains. And it's it's gone from there being this one-off of Batman, Michael Keaton, Prince type situation in the 90s to really what has become a multi-billion dollar industry um, that so many of us consume on multiple networks. And so I think it's really interesting when you start talking about anything from the Clone Wars, that if you're a Star like a, a diehard Star Wars fan, um, has been such a huge thing in animation, and you think about the concept of, say for instance, Star Trek, the animated series, um, that happened back right after Star Trek got canceled, you know, you have these dead times where it's not happening. And now this animated series where all of the original cast are voicing animated characters. Like it's it's really made this evolution into mainstream culture in such a way I don't think anyone could have predicted. Um, have you seen, like what, I, what have you seen has been the shift? Because what I can see is there's a lot of writing about animation and a lot of pausing on live action right now. And, and what do you think, um, what can you kind of predict this looking like moving forward? <clears throat> One, in terms of the shift, in terms of why I think this particular part of pop culture was able to um, almost really take over the entertainment industry. It's definitely a huge chunk of Hollywood box office now. Um, I think there are more people in positions of power that care about the source material. Um, I think, you know, you and I are about the same age. We remember the 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 Batman 89 movie with Michael Keaton. And back then, that was really the only kind. Yeah, pure. I, I literally was watching that last night on my television. That, that like, movie is that and Dick Tracy much for me. They're both hokey as heck. But like, honestly, for for us, those were like the pinnacle. Like the, those were like the pinnacle movies at the moment. And the reason they were. The, the reason they were is because we knew how rare they were. We It's not like now where a kid can watch the trailer for Black Widow and know that, oh, well, this is what happens every summer. It wasn't like that for us. Us growing up, you had to hold on to your memories of Batman and burn that VHS tape out because even as a kid, you knew you weren't getting more of that. And what has changed now is so many people our age who grew up on that same movie are in 
positions of power now, whether it's Greg Berlanti, Jeff Johns, you know, you know Cheo over with Luke Cage. There's so many people that love this source material that are in positions to create at, with different mediums. And Batman was out. You had a lot of old execs that said, okay, well, Batman and Superman are the most recognizable, so we can make stuff for them. But, you know, we, we we're, we're, there's never going to be a Green Lantern or anything like that because the mentality that the general public wouldn't warm up to it. Yeah. Now that's just, we, we know that's not the case. Well, and I think it's also interesting because when you think of um, how also in the animated world, because I think we're moving back towards this, and it's really cyclical uh, in my personal opinion in that you have Batman and you have Batman the Animated Series and everybody fell in Batman the Animated Series and you had X-Men and you had X-Men the Animated Series and everyone fell in love. Same thing with the Transformers, right? And then you get Mm -hmm. these live action films and the live action films really are just like, so wh- how do we bring this to real life and put this on the big screen? But there seems to have been a resurgence, uh, particularly with paywalls and with streaming services to recreate or refresh a lot of these animated pieces. Um, like for instance, Harley Quinn getting her animated series. I'm always gonna go back to that because it is just so Harley Quinn. It's just, it is, it is, but it, it is the, it is the Palmetti, Connors, Harley Quinn, um, for those who are not mm-hmm. huge big nerds, uh, that you know Harley Quinn started as animated but then became this thing. And I see there being this resurgence even with Clone Wars, there's resurgence where the DuckTales have come, like DuckTales even was, you know, had a comic book. Um, yeah, the new, the new DuckTales is great, the comic but, and the cartoon. Right, and so, you know, right now, do you feel like folks are back in the lab looking at source material, or are we are are we binging stuff? Like, what do you see has been the trend in the last two months? Because the other thing that's happened, Black Widow's on hold, uh, Poor Uncharted, finally, which is based on a video game, finally got to its first day of shooting and closed. Like, you know, all of these movies that are, they're steeped in nerd culture are, are on pause indefinitely. Yeah, I th- well, one thing I think that's going on, especially in animation, you know, you keep mentioning Harley Quinn, and Harley Harley Quinn is an incredible show. I mean, it's not for kids. You nope. need to go into it knowing that know. it's you know. Whereas, where where whereas Batman the animated series, which is where Harley Quinn was born, was a hard PG in terms of rating. Harley Quinn is definitely R rated, and for adults, like my, my kids, will not be anywhere near me. When I'm watching that show, but it is a fantastic show. It's well, making us not late. Then I actually have a feature on her about uh, her and the role of Catwoman that I wrote a couple of weeks ago. I was very lucky to get a chance to talk with Sana about that. But one thing that's going on in animation now that it's been established, all the big movies and all the live action and all the streaming, it's there and it's there for the geek audience, but it's also there for the mass general public to consume. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these new animated shows that are out right now that are really good because they now know that there is a dedicated audience, they're very much more geared, hardcore fan. You mentioned Neil Palmiotti and and Connor. Uh, This Harley Quinn show is basically a a love letter to people who read those comic books. Uh, You mentioned Clone Wars. Clone Wars can get so much deeper into Star Wars than even the movies can because they've only got two hours to explain something, whereas... You know, Clone Wars has had seven years to tell a story. 
So what I think is going on right now in animation, and I think the people like you and I are enjoying from it, is now these animated shows that are coming out are really geared towards the hardcore geeky fans that that love this stuff. And even, you know, when Bruce came out, that was on the heels of the first Batman movie, and it was trying to capitalize on the popularity of that. Did it end up, you know, pleasing a lot of Batman fans, hardcore fans? Yes, but it was there for the general public to consume because they were coming off a massive Batman movie. Whereas the tunes now, like, I, I think the Harley Quinn cartoon is the best thing DC, DC is doing as a whole. I think the Harley Quinn cartoon is better than uh, the Birds of Prey movie. Um, I think the reason is, is they can lean into the source material so hard without having to worry about the quote-unquote general public. They're not worried about that because they know there's a dedicated geek audience that's going to eat it up. I love it because, you know, it is, I, but the only thing I fear is that we're retelling the same stories over and over and over again with just a new format. Um, you know, you really have a pulse on this a lot more than I think anybody does. You know, do you see that this is becoming cyclical? Are we, are we getting into a situation where we're just telling Chris Claremont's X-Men story over and over and over again? Or do you feel like there is an appetite for new story? Do you feel like there's, and, and I know I keep mentioning Harley Quinn, but I think this is a unique situation because she's gone through so many iterations as a perfect example. They changed the origin story again um, mm -hmm. in, in, in the animated series, which I loved. I was like, finally, okay, blend this thing together because I don't know what y'all were doing with New 52 and Rebirth. It, just fix it. Fix it, Jesus. Um, but do you feel like there is an appetite um, for non-legacy characters uh, or an appetite? Because I do, I do see that it's just these legacy characters and not like, for instance, The Mandalorian, which was this moment where all these characters are basically new. Like we, we don't we don't know where these who? Like they were based in lore and they were based in canon, but they weren't necessarily Han Solo, Leia, Chewbacca. Um, and so what does it mean to is there an appetite out there for this this newer uh, part? Or are we just gonna get a whole lot of Shira reboots? That's a that's a great question. I think that it depends on the medium, uh, you know, and also it depends on who. Because right now, uh, take Marvel Studios for example, led led by Kevin Feige, they're at a point where they can pull out anything. Uh, once they successfully made Guardians of the Galaxy, a comic book that even hardcore fans, a lot of them could say, didn't read that book or weren't into those characters. Once they pulled that off, they proved that, okay, as long as we have Marvel Studios at the top, as long as Feige's involved, then things are going to be fine. Now, not every studio has gotten to that success level to where they can do things like that. And I think that's why you see a lot of legacy characters elsewhere, like your Harley, your Batmans. You're always going to see that recycled. But I think especially now that there are more mediums, especially with DC yeah. having DC Universe now, um, I think we'll start to see more growth with characters that aren't those core guys you know at dc there's the big three superman batman wonder woman and even though superman's on a long hiatus right now uh we know the batman is coming we know Wonder woman 1984 is coming but i think that where you might not see it on the big screen with, with places like dc i think that now that so many people are developing their own streaming apps those 
you know the hardcore dedicated fans are going there, that I think yeah. you'll see more uh, experimentation with characters that we haven't seen yet. I mean, I'd love to see Steel. I'd like give, give me those Reign of Super. They have animated movie. Give me something like that. Um, I do think there's a. Uh, oh, it's already proven. There's a dedicated fan base for this stuff. I mean, most people that subscribe to DC Universe, and I brought this up once in Lathan. Those are hardcore DC fans. That's not like a general public guy just saying, oh, let me check that out. If you're gonna spend money monthly on something like that, it's because you're already into it. So I definitely think as the grow that are dedicated to that type of source material, I think I think there in that corner, there's potential for growth and using, you know, not the A team and maybe going to the B or C list. Well, and I think that's, I think you make a very good point because that's also very true. Like for me, I love Doom Patrol. Like I think Doom Patrol was great. Um, I think Doom Patrol did what they- Another, another great show. After Harley yeah. Quinn, that's probably the- Be Right, because it's so much outside of the the norm, right? Um, but then you've got stuff like Stargirl and you've got stuff like Katie Keene. Like you have, uh, they, the people are trying to see what these other subsequent characters or even- for instance, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Like that was definitely one of those things I think people forget um, that Casa was like, yo, I'm gonna do this weird off the wall, what if Sabrina the Teenage Witch was Rosemary's baby and let's just do it and go real dark. And it's become a phenomenon. It, it really truly has. Um, you know, for you as a journalist, what has it been like reporting on a lot of this stuff and, and writing on a lot of this stuff in the last couple of months? Well, it, it's, it's been different. Uh, one thing that's still kind of breathing right now, and like I said, that Star Wars Clone Wars, which is entering its last season. Uh, there's a new episode tomorrow. The season finale is next Friday. Uh, this coming Monday is, you know, uh, there's still, um, so I think that right now I'm focusing on that, but it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's strange times right, right now is, has been pushed back and delayed and honestly, pretty of what i plan to write about this year might not even happen this year. Um, so there's definitely, uh, you're trying to look through the cracks and see what else you can find in terms of storytelling. Uh, the comic book and all this is based off of is, you know, on life support right now because all the shops are closed, distribution is down. So it's definitely, you know, in, in terms of what I write about now, it's one, you know, and, and I kind of fall in that section of reporters that are providing content that's kind of designed to distract you from everything that's going on. You know, a couple of my stories have mentioned the delays and things like that. But for the most part, um, I'm kind of looking to tell that story that's gonna get your mind off things. But it's kind of hard when everything's being delayed. Yeah, and that's and that's that's an interesting part because you do need that distraction. Um, you do need kind of that thing. Do you feel like have you heard rumblings of folks being innovative with this? Because I've I, like they, we've had a number of conversations uh, on the show where folks are saying, you know, voiceover artists are voiceover artists are still working. So there are voiceover artists out there who work in animation who are still working right now. There's ADR happening on certain stuff that's in post. You know, Star Trek Discovery 
was already done. They were wrapped uh, when all of this happened. They'd already come out of Vancouver and they were already in post-production. Like there are a number of things that were in post um, that are TV. I I have a feeling anything that was going to be, um, that wasn't already out in theaters, i.e. Bloodshot, Birds of Prey, which all had uh, early releases onto digital because they realized that if, you know, the theater isn't down, like at, Amazon actually did um, an earlier theater release that allowed all of these movies to come out early that were already in theaters. You know, we are pushing everything back. In fact, you know, Black Widow is now, I think, back to November. um, And and a lot of stuff is like Mm -hmm. these unanticipated dates that are getting further and further and further away um, for good reason, uh, for health and safety reasons. Um, But do you feel like you've heard any rumblings of innovation on folks who are are trying to think because people are still doing Kickstarters for independent comic books. People are still trying to do webtoons. People are still like working on digital digital source material. Um, but you feel? Do you feel like there's been any? I don't want to say like mass collection around any kind of particular medium right now. Uh-oh. I think we might have lost David. We did. He's coming back. Hey, we got you back. Okay, there you are. Sorry about that. Um, the The question was about. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I was just talking about the fact that we we do still have source material happening. People are still doing Kickstarters for comic books. Digital comic books are are still trying to come, in, particularly independent, not necessarily um, because we we do know like comic books are not getting printed right now. Um, in yeah. for the most part, uh, do you feel like there's been some kind of rumbling around a mass idea of a medium, or is everybody still trying to kickstart the idea of what is the new way um, of pushing forward telling a story? Because at the end, end of the day, this is all storytelling. I think it's all everything is so experimental right now. I think the big uh, one of the biggest things to come out of all of this is the beef with AMC and and Universal because Universal decided to release the Trolls movie uh, d- directly to the consumers through cable providers or whoever, um, and you know now they're saying, hey, we're not going to play we're not going to play your movies anymore. So m- movie theaters definitely more than anybody want this to get back to normal. The thing is, we just don't know when. Um, I, you know, comments are still being produced. Uh, as you said, voiceovers are still happening. I just think that it's so unclear right now when we're going to get back to a sense of normalcy. I know, you know, it's picked up a new distributor. You know, they're not going to be with Diamond anymore. And now DC Comics, when they do come out, will be coming out on that Wednesday, which has always been the norm for new comics. I think... Hmm. Hey guys, if you're watching right now and you see a frozen David, write a comment. I want to make sure this is me on my end or if we are having mutual technical difficulties right now. Hey! I love at home. This is great. 
Um, we lost all of your brilliance. Dark side of the forest. <laughs> we lost all of your brilliance. Uh, the last thing I think we got there was this idea of DC changing its release date. Um, and I would love for you to- I just think that there's so much, un it's unpredictable right now. Um, movies want to get back to normal. Studios want to make money. You know, the biggest thing with movie studios right now is it's tiered in how they make money. You know, you get the movie theater money and then people love the movie. And then you get the on home on the money when the movie comes out and you can buy it for home release. You know, those big major studios don't want that to just be, we make the movie and then it goes straight to your home. That takes away a huge chunk of the money being made. So I think there's a lot of innovative thinking going on right now in terms of how are we gonna make this work? But I think, it's, I honestly think that a lot of the dates, I think the most right now for a movie is Black Widow in November. I really don't think come August, we're gonna be ready to sit down in theaters and see Wonder Woman 1984. I would love for it to happen. That's probably the movie I'm most excited about for this year. Um, I'm not really sure that, I mean, I am in no way a doctor or any way of knowing anything, but just knowing the number, the numbers that they need money back for a movie that costs $200 million, I'm just not sure about. Now, in terms of comic books, have they started, you know, production has stopped. We know the writers are still writing, we know the artists are still, um, but the new issues are not hitting the stands as of yet. So if you're a comic book fan, right now your best option is to go back and read the huge stack that you know you haven't finished, go back and read a lot of back out. If you have- Stop reading me, David. Stop, stop reading my life. <laughs> Some of us just I mean, if have, you, we like a lot of comics, just a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's like you that keep comic shops alive and, and, and com the comic industry needs that. Um, but right now I think we're at a point where uh, we just have to be patient. The new stuff is not on the horizon, but and if you're, you know, animation I think might be the one thing. I think there are a lot of places that already have things in the can. Like you said, Discovery finished filming their third season. We know the Mandalorian wrapped on their second season right before the pandemic broke out. So there's still there's still stuff that we know is coming. But in terms of normalcy, I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing. So it's funny thing is I think of things like Fandango and these other um, different uh, movie ticketing sites that had started their own streaming services like IMDb kind of has a streaming thing and Dangle kind of has a streaming thing where either they're showing older movies or they're, they're trying to do this, this concept of early access. There's not a lot of adopters to it as of yet. Um, these are just kind of apps that I think they were experimenting with and what does it mean to find a new a new normal when it comes to a movie release, and is that even uh, is that even a, a a a model that makes money, right? Because at some point in time, you run out of movies. At some point in time, no, no matter how many movies that you made that are on shelves that never got a release date, or how many movies haven't yet been digitized, no, no matter what you do, at some point in time, you will run out of new movies. But also it goes from a model where you're doing one ticket per person to you got five people watching that one movie at the same time. And what, what does that mean for the model to work? And is it enough incentive with all of the content out there for someone to want to buy something early access? Um, how many diehards do you have that are going to, I mean, I already bought the rise of, I, I like. I already bought the movie, but you know, I just it, 
if other people are waiting for May the fourth, like so, what is so what does that really mean at the end of the day? I think is going to be the ultimate. My, did you see my tweet about that? Yeah, I did. I did. I I I have already bought it, so don't look at me. Like I'm a pre-order human being. I don't. I I so I pre-order things because it's like Christmas. Because I pre-order and forget, and then I get an email that says I pre-ordered it, and I'm like, ooh, movie. Um, it's who I am. I'm sorry. I, I tweeted about that earlier. I I was holding out. They weren't going to get my twenty bucks because I knew it was going to be on Disney Plus uh, on Monday. So, uh, I mean, you know sorry. That, that that's just a little you know what humor amongst nerds. Yeah, I know. Because some of us are like, fine. Here's my twenty dollars. I know it's going to be streaming in in fifteen days. But I, because I also think that's like wanting the access. And what does it mean? Be, again, we were talking about this right before we had this conversation. Um, you know, I talked to Quentin Peoples yesterday about this idea of people are returning to broadcast TV. People are returning to a point mm-hmm. in television. People are going to broadcast television because at the end of the day, they do want to know this thing is coming on at nine o'clock. Like folks rush to go watch the masked, masked singer because they know it's coming on and they want to know what happens because everything else is so unscheduled, right? And so what does it mean to be like, oh, we're waiting for May the 4th because now we're anticipating watching this thing together on Monday? I think they're going on right now. Um, You're actually seeing a lot of that with, I mean, I hate to get to sports for a second, but with The Last Dance on ESPN where you're seeing, you know, it's something new. It's on social media at the same time. And I think we're going to have a lot of that uh, for the foreseeable future with um, what's going on, where we're so hungry for new stuff that when new stuff does come out, we're flocking to social media. So they the experience of watching it with each other because we're losing that experience of seeing, seeing movies together or going out to see a movie and immediately calling up your buddy and saying, hey, did you, you got to see it for this one scene. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to ruin it for you, but just go see it. Um, but I think for the foreseeable future, like for example, this Monday, um, even though there are people like you that couldn't wait and already bought it, everyone's going to be watching The Rise of Skywalker and, and you know tweeting about it and complaining about it and you know doing their thing. But I think there's going to be this hunger for uh, the shared viewing experience that uh, that we're missing right now. Well, and I think that at the end of the day is really this idea of why TV became, you know, it was a way like this appointment, even appointment radio, right? Like you knew at seven o'clock, you went home, dark shadows came on. You needed to know what happened the week before because there was a cliffhanger. And I've, I've, I've had this conversation with so many comic book fans, right? Because our favorite comic books come out once a month. Like you get once a month. Most of the time, I mean, they're they're special situations, uh, Hickman. But most of the time, like once a month, and it is really if you're that, lucky. If you if if you're lucky, <laughs> and it's not a mini series, and it just ends. Um, and so, you know, for you, how how as a as a content person, as a person who really this is what you do, you write about content, you look at. Um, what are the trends? You you talk about the connections. You make the connections for a lot of people. Um, what does it look like for you in restructuring 
how you're writing and what you're writing about in this new kind of experimental space? Um, a lot of revisiting, a lot of be a new way to look at something that I've written about before that is maybe interesting to uh, dive into once again. Um, a perfect example, Skywalker. You know, I have not, you know, I generally didn't like the movie. Um, I, I want to see it again, but it, it was probably the first Star Wars movie in a while where I'm in a theater. So I still have not seen it for a second time. So my second time seeing it will actually be this Monday. So that, uh, that to me is like an idea that pops in my head. Well, maybe, maybe I'll like it better. Maybe I'll like it worse. That's kind of where we are as reporters in terms of, you know, trying to create content for our readers that, you know, we know how, how can you work with what you have? It's a song. Like remember Brand's two face and he says, you know, I do the best with what I have doing right now. Um, we're doing the best with what we have. We know what new stuff is coming. We know what stuff we can revisit. Uh, we know what's not going to be on the horizon. So you're working with a smaller pot of potatoes here. It's not it, you know, everything's lined up for you. And that's not happening right now. So uh, it's it's interesting, but th but there's still stuff out there. You know, we'll we'll still have the Mandalorian in the fall. Um, clone, there's still gonna be comics to read. It's not, you know, as a coworker of mine always says, the end of the Republic. But it's it's definitely a trying time. You know, you've, you've got to use your imagination. You've got to look at learn to look at things in a different way, and uh, you know, I guess just be grateful for what you have. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's, I think that's really real. And I think that's kind of, you know, honestly, what, what will be the test will be next January. What will be the test will be next, will be the next winter and spring. Um, knowing that right now is generally pilot season or right now is generally, you know, what will be going on is folks, you know, there'd be announcement after announcement of, of new signings. Like people are holding, like there are deals signed right now that no one can talk about because they have no production dates. And it's such an interesting situation for those who work in the industry um, because there is this other layer of folks who report on these things. And there's, there's just a pause. Right. And as much as you may know something, uh, we even had Paul Bay earlier uh, this week who does audio drama. He's like, I wish I could tell you about the two things I'm working on and I'm definitely writing them. But the studio hasn't said anything. But they can't say anything. Because we don't have a release date and we don't know when we're going into production. And so, you know, one of two things I predict happening is either we're going to have way too much um, coming out in 2021, uh, way too much, or we are gonna be revisiting a lot in 2021 and things are gonna be spaced out to 2022 because studios, again, still have to recoup a lot of the investment yeah. and a lot of these, these different um, 
products that are, are collecting a little bit of dust right now. I miss the days where we complained that there was too much to watch. Um, that's definitely, hopefully, something that's on the horizon again. But I think you're right. Um, if you're lucky enough to get something in the can and your season, uh, that's great. But the real test is going to be at the beginning of next year. Whereas we know that this year there were some shows that were able to wrap in early spring. We know that next year that's not going to be the case. So, you know, it'll be definitely interesting to see how the industry responds to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also interesting when you have shows like Westworld that's already been renewed for season four. By the way, I wish they wouldn't have announced that because it just ruins the finale for me on Sunday, which is very clear. I had a lot of feelings. You could have waited. You could have waited a week. <laughs> Nobody needed to know. I need to know that somebody lives. I, I would have preferred not knowing that this was coming back and also going, what are you going to do next? Um, that's my feels. Sorry. Tangent. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting. Let it all out. Um, I just need somebody to get their hands on a Westworld graphic novel with the updated everything now. Uh, that being said, man, like, how are you? How are you staying? Maybe you could do that. Oh. Well, actually, that's a good question. That is actually, do you do you predict that there's going to be a rise in independent creators who are getting an opportunity because they're being resourceful right now to get a lot of stuff out that they normally wouldn't be able to get out right now? Um, I think it's definitely a possibility. People are definitely working on stuff. I mean, now is the time if you have something, a special project or something that you've always wanted to do, try and get it done. Um, Having said that, uh, we also know there's a of uh, mainstream stuff on the back burner right now that's going to be up there as well. So you also have to think about if you are going to put something new, what's it going to be up against? You know, you mentioned possibly 2021 and you're being really crowded with too much stuff or hardly anything. Frozen David again. Thing with comics, a lot of these comics that we're waiting for right now. Hey folks, I know that David is frozen at the moment. We're gonna try to work on these tech issues. It's also raining in the district where uh, David lives. So I'm sure that is not helping at All right, folks, we are having some major technical difficulties today. Um, so I think one of the, the problems is we are dealing with, yes, uh, David will be right back. Yes, um, we are working. This is so funny. This is the other way around. If anyone watched the conversation with Julie Nathanson, this absolutely happened to me uh, where I got tossed out of the conversation. 
Uh, it's very fun. Julie Nathanson uh, definitely took hold of the conversation. By hey, look at that. Look at that. Modern 21st century technology, some of which works, some doesn't. Someone doesn't, man. We just should have started on the phone. Uh, this is great. Um, we were just we were having the conversation, and we missed all of your brilliant answer about what are your thoughts on independent uh, creators right now uh, with this dearth of product, like studio production space, because eventually it will run out. Um, IECW was currently in production with all of its Arrowverse shows, and they basically said we're going to put them out until we can't, uh, and then at some point. We're not going to be able to. Uh, so, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on there being the possibility of independent folks being able to rise at this time? I think now's definitely the time if you have an idea to, to get it down because you're never going to have the amount of free time to put stuff down on paper than you do right now in this crazy world that we're living in right now. At the same time, uh, it's a matter of what you're bringing it up against. You mentioned 2021 being very crowded, possibly being very crowded or possibly not. Uh, if you've got a great comic book idea right now, um, now might be the time to write it, but when it's time to publish, are you going to be going against all the Marvel and DC stuff that you know was supposed to come out in April, May, and June and is now coming out later in the year? So I don't think something like that should stop you from trying to get your idea down on paper. But uh, you definitely have to be, I guess, a little calculated with how you decide you want to bring your idea out into the world. Yeah, and I, and I love the fact that, you know, we've been talking about this idea of revisiting, this idea of some stuff being innovative. For you as a writer, as you're revisiting stuff and you're being innovative and, you know, you as a human being, you know, how are you staying grounded in all this and like kind of keeping keeping going forward? Because this is this is. I hate using the word unprecedented, but honestly, that is really the only word that really can be used is that, you know, you're living in a world that drive-in movie theaters are now becoming popular overseas, right? Like you're, we're living in a world that's going back to a lot of things that folks thought were archaic. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely, you know, there's still the mystery of not knowing how things are going to be when we get out of this. So you mentioned drive-through theaters. That actually sounds like a great idea right now because it's a way that I could get out of my house and practice social distancing and still say I went out and did something. But once this is all over, is that something I'm still going to want to do? So it's almost like, is that something you want to invest in and build up towards if it's not going to be there in the long run once we get out of what we're in now? Um, but it's definitely... You know, as someone whose job it is to consume things, uh, my life hasn't changed too much other than mobility. You know, I spend so much of my time either mm -hmm. reading comics or watching movies or watching television. That's something that kind of keeps you grounded where you are and you're kind of, you know, using your imagination and going into another world. Um, that doesn't change whether you're doing it in a newsroom or doing it at your house, because once you make that deep dive, you're entering that world and you're letting your imagination take over from there. Um, I think the biggest difference is those shared experiences. Like I've been watching a lot of the, uh, you know, we're coming up, you know, on a year since Infinity War came out and that big moment where everyone saw that and where Cap had Thor's hammer, everyone's uh, posting their videos from, yeah, 
literal geek cinematic perfection. Uh, but that that's something that you can't get. Like like let's say let's say this happened last year when Avengers came out and they decided to release it on demand. You would have totally lost the experience of everyone experiencing that together at the same time. Because I think the beauty of those moments was everyone in those theaters knew that they were sitting next to people like themselves that were really into this stuff. Those people that go on the midnight showings or the early showings or press screenings or, you know, opening night, if you see it Fridays, those are like the hardcore people that can't wait. Um, I remember sitting in those lines when I was younger and and felt like I could go to work after going to a midnight (laughs) showing of a Marvel movie. Remember when you could see a midnight movie? I I used to do that frequently. I don't. don't Now I just, now I just sit up at night and write midnight. Well, you know what they did for us is they made the the Thursday 7 p.m. showing, um, which is now a yeah. normal thing now. Uh, whereas yeah, we didn't have that option back, you know, when these movies were first coming out in the tw- early 2010s. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I love this. And I think my last thing is like, you know, you do. And I think folks never really get this this, this chance to ask this question. What brings most people joy and is most people's hobbies is your work. So how are you finding this this separation, this idea, this balance? Because one of the things that's really been coming up is like there is there's 24 hours in a day and you are now spending 80% of it in your home. And it all the lines are very, very blurred. And I think none more than for those who work in the cultural space because everyone is now talking about the thing that is work for us and work is what everyone is talking about. Um, How are you finding joy and balance in all of this? I find joy and balance because I still, I still consider myself very lucky to, to have this job. There are not a lot of geek culture reporters at mainstream newspapers or mainstream media in general in the country. Uh, You know, there's, the LA Times, they have Hero Complex. Uh, the New York Times has George Costinis, fellow Latino reporter up in New York. Um, and then there's me down here in DC and my colleague, Michael Kavna, who we've been doing it together, uh, comic book culture reporting for the last 10 years. Uh, I, I consider myself very fortunate um, that, you know, for example, the first thing I have to do tomorrow for work is wake up probably around, you know, 8 a.m., log on to Disney Plus and watch Clone Wars. I have to do that for work. Honestly, I would probably have done the same thing anyway if I didn't have my job that I have now. So a big thing for me is uh, a lot of gratitude for being at a place where I can put my thoughts down and get them published um, at a place like the Washington Post where we've shown that we've had an affinity for geek culture for the last 10 years. Um, In terms of constantly being inside again it's 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 we definitely need to get some air you know if you can go out and go for a walk and take the dog outside throw a stick around do something definitely do it um but i guess in terms of me and my job i've always had a job that you know my my face is always planted to the screen anyway whether i'm writing whether i'm reading a digital comic uh which i had to transition to digital because i had too many comic book boxes so i had to how dare you how dare you say too many? What? I what? still, I still, I still get my print issues, but it, it was getting. I was running out of space. So, uh, but but the point I'm trying to make is I, I'm constantly glued to the screen um, because of what I do. Um, I'm very happy that what I'm consuming on the screen 
is something I'm very passionate about, something I believe in, in terms of its storytelling power and in terms of its power to make people feel good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, well, thank you, David, for spending this this time with us today. And thank you for dealing with all of the technical difficulties. Uh, it, such as life. No, we've never been this, we've never been intended to be on the internet this long <laughs> at any given time. Uh, but it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And um, folks, for folks at home, how can they follow you? Where can they see your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ADC fanboy, A-D-C-F-A-N-B-O-Y. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. The DC is for District of Columbia, not DC Comics. I do not lean one way or the other. I love everything. You're um, agnostic, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, in, and in terms of uh, what I write, you can find me at the Washington Post. If you Google David Bencourt Washington Post, my author page will come up. You can see everything I've written. Um, so yeah, that's how you can find me. Word, word, word. Well, thank you so much, everyone. We will be back for our 30th show tomorrow with Chef Justin Warner, who is also a huge comic book head. Uh, so if you liked talking comic books and you want to add food to that, uh, tune in tomorrow at 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific. Bye, guys. Creative Quarantine is hosted by Angelique Rocher. It's produced by Angelique Rocher, Sarah Storm, and Matt Storm. Our logo is designed by Aaron Leffler. New streaming episodes are available Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on AngeliqueRocher.com forward slash creative quarantine. Podcasts are made available the morning after each live streamed episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit us on Instagram at creative.quarantine and Twitter at creativequeteen. Please send this to a friend who needs a little artistic company and stay at home if you possibly can. We'll see you soon. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.